and welcome back everyone to another episode of the run the table podcast powered by pro football network it is wednesday september 21st and we have thursday night football action on the docket today i am tommy garrett fantasy analyst here at pro football network you can find me over on twitter at tommy garrett pfn and joining me as we break down this slate from every angle imaginable and what i'm sure will be nothing but the most enthralling and riveting football on the field uh ladies and gentlemen ian warden fantasy analyst here at pro football network you can find him over on twitter at nfl film study Ian, i'm sure this is going to be nothing but the most exciting games uh because i'm sure it'll i'm sure it's going to match last thursday right Oh yeah, expectations should be extremely high. This is yeah. certainly a uh, potential AFC conference game showdown. <laughs> it it <laughs> it's going to be something. Uh we'll we'll see what happens here with these teams. Uh safe to say they are not having the opening seasons to begin with that we thought these teams would have. Well, I guess I should say at least for for Pittsburgh. I mean, being sitting here one and one both these teams. I mean, I think that's the best Pittsburgh could have hoped for would be sitting one-on-one Cleveland. You were going to be hoping for better, but quite frankly, if you get through the Jacoby Brissett era part of this season at 500, I think that's not going to be a bad result. Cleveland Browns did take down the Carolina Panthers in week one in a close one that uh, they had to come back on uh, 26, 24. And then quite frankly, they should have won last week. I think we've uh, seen some of those number stats rolling around. We're like, look, they just would have went down and, and things like that. They would have won the game. But Joe Flacco, being the elite quarterback that he is, came back and ended up winning that game uh, 31-30 to push the Cleveland Browns to 1-1 and on the season. But like we said and alluded to, we do have a Thursday night matchup over on Amazon Prime, which apparently doing pretty well. Uh, we saw the uh, couple reports coming down. We don't have the, the full numbers yet, but sounds like Amazon got the uh, highest number amount of uh, subscribers they've ever had in their platform. And I, this is actually something I didn't get to ask you last week. What did you think of watching on Amazon Prime? Like, how did you like the experience for a first time? It seemed to me like they got a lot of things right and a lot of things I wish we would see in other broadcasts moving down the line. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Like, it's nice that they offered um, some of like the next gen stats stuff. Like, that overlay was mm-hmm. really cool to see. Um, overall, it was a clean broadcast. Like, the streaming quality was very, very high. Um, as someone who gets their streams um, from multiple different places sometimes, like it was great quality. Um, I thought the broadcast team sounded really good. Those aren't things that I usually care about, like honestly, for a lot of broadcast. Like, I'm not paying attention to a lot of those things, but I was surprised, especially with how Amazon has kind of handled um, some of their gaming uh, mm-hmm. aspects as they, if they've taken that, that realm over a little bit, they've kind of been underwhelming in like their, twitch knockoff i guess so they've done a good job i think implementing a lot of the things that have worked for other broadcasts and and i enjoyed it i mean I, again the the broadcast team is not usually a big sell for me but they did a good job in their first uh their first showing it's the best broadcast in the nfl that's covering nfl game kirk herbstreet and al michaels you're to me you're not beating that i thought it was fantastic like i need someone to understand me or tell me like make me understand why is it that I can watch all 22 film live on Amazon Prime but I can't even do it through the NFL's actual freaking app like it's someone's got to explain that one to me cuz they're literally beating the NFL at their own game it was like 26 different cameras multiple different angles I'm with you I love the next gen stats like in the middle of it too um yeah I'm like I'm a big fan of it I'm looking forward to this one again even if the field the play on the field might not be the best 
you never know. It's an AFC North matchup, and these games can always get a little bit squirrely. But we're going to dive into our start sits, kind of help you guys out for your fantasy football lineups. Hopefully, you're sitting there at 2-0 after these games. And if you're 0-2, don't worry. Season's just beginning. Still young. We got time still getting these playoffs. But we're going to talk about some of our favorite starts for this week. And to me, and this is something we kind of talked about in the beginning of the show, or at least beforehand, it's a very cut and dry week. You got guys that you're starting and then guys that are sitting. There's not a ton of fringe players in between. And I think we'll start off with probably the most rock solid of this entire group. And that's going to be Nick Chubb. Definitely a start this week. Currently sitting as the number one running back in PPR scoring, scoring, averaging 23.8 points per game. 39 attempts, almost 230 rushing yards, three touchdowns. He's also got four uh, four receptions, 20 yards. Never going to be the claim to his game. It's always going to be volume on the ground and being efficient. So what he's doing so far, 5.8 yards per clip after going up against the Panthers and the Jets. I'm not too worried about this matchup, especially with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like the minute they lost TJ Watt, this defense just lost all the bark and it's uh, lost all the bite in its bark. You know what I mean? For me, I'm looking at this rush EPA. The Pittsburgh Steelers down here at 22nd. I don't love this. It's also a team that can't really hang on to the ball. I expect Cleveland to once again probably maintain the uh, time of possession and win that battle here. I love Nick Chubb this week. Obviously going to be a a must start and probably, I mean, I think the lowest you're going to say is a top 10 play. More than likely right. somewhere sitting there are between RB7, RB9. I'm all in on Nick Chubb this week. I'm pretty sure you're feeling the exact same thing with him. Are you also feeling the same way with Kareem Hunt, who really seems to be the guy we always knew he could be in this backfield that is always going to be conducive to running backs? Kareem Hunt seems like a must-start in this week, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's just he's the perfect complement. Again, you mentioned just matchup-wise. It's a great matchup. It, the advanced numbers aren't nearly as complimentary of the Steelers as some of the raw numbers. Like if you look at the Steelers, it says mm-hmm. four yards per carry allowed. But the context of that is not nearly as impressive. And so Hunt's going to be able to feast. He's been the perfect guy as the number two back. I'm I'm with you. I've actually been critical of the Browns in the past. I think that they could have used Hunt more as like a slot receiver because he's so talented. You just want him on the field. Been efficient this year. 24 carries, 104 yards, one rushing score, six receptions on six targets. We love 100% catch rate, 40 yards and a score there. He's played 52% of snaps thus far. This is going to be an ugly game, and that's perfect for running backs. I want to play every running back I can whenever it's an ugly game. Yep, and like I said, I'm coming with you. There well could be an ugly game. Um, I think what's also been a little bit ugly, unfortunately, has been the Cleveland Browns passing attack. Really, it's only been one option, and last week that one option finally stood up and had himself a good game, and that is Amari Cooper ending last week as the wide receiver nine in PPR scoring, nine of ten receiving, just over 100 yards with a tutty, ends up with 25.1 PPR points in that rather high-scoring game, which I don't think we necessarily saw coming, and look, it's... It's been the Amari Cooper show in this offense. Uh, Last week, 37% target share. And I think that's what we're going to be expecting moving forward is somewhere in that 25% north kind of range. I think that's what we were looking at. It's obviously he's got to find the end zone to be involved. I don't love, obviously, any matchup for the Steelers against Amari Cooper. I think he beats every single one of their corners. That's not exactly a surprise. The secondary has been a a concern of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm seeing another high usage game out of Amari Cooper. He's got to find the end zone to find that true upside play. But for me, and I think you probably feel the same way in here, 
is that outside of Amari Cooper, we're really not looking towards any other Cleveland Browns passing options, unless you want to call Kareem Hunt one of those as well. Right, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. There's not enough consistency. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has not really been given the leash to do more, and you shouldn't. When you have this good of a running game, there's no reason to play Donovan Peoples-Jones. There's no reason to play someone like Anthony Schwartz, who's really just the best ball kind of player if he even sees the field. Mm -hmm. David Njoku just hasn't done a whole lot. So I'm with you. Feed Cooper and those we talked about it last episode Monday uh, where they those two it was Brissett and Cooper talking about how they made adjustments after week one clearly mm-hmm. that worked and I think against this secondary there's not a great pass rush there's not a great cornerback talent yeah you have to watch out for Minka Fitzpatrick at all times but this is a good opportunity for Cooper to just keep feasting he doesn't have to do it in a sexy way it could be 10 catches 8 to 12 ca- yards a catch but it's going to be effective and that's all we care about as PPR managers. Yep, I'm with you. Amari Cooper for me this week, kind of in that wide receiver three kind of range, just because it's kind of hard to to always expect that same kind of volume week in and week out on a team that they know they can run the ball pretty much at will. Uh, like I said, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, don't do it. Just I would just leave them on your bench, even if you're rostering them. Honestly, in most leagues, you probably don't even have them on your team at all. Moving over to the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, it's kind of the list of usual suspects. Najee Harris has to be in there in that list in terms of must starts, but it is worth saying this is not the same Najee Harris we saw last year. In a way, he is high volume, but awful efficiency, which I guess is kind of the same as what we saw last year. Um, I think my concern, my biggest concern right now is the offensive line somehow got even worse between last year and yep. now last year where it was, you know, nine, I think it was a 3.97 yards per carry, but only 1.2 of those were before contact right now of his rushing yards, only 10, only 10 yards have been before contact. I, Unbelievable. I can't even wrap my head around how bad that is. And it's just destroying the upside of Najee Harris. Uh, he's already down. <laughs> 75% value from when you drafted him right now. Um, like I said, you're you're really just hoping that he's going to see a little bit of a target share. Last week did see 18% of the targets uh, out there, also on 71% of the snaps. Uh, but it's Najee Harris is definitely down right now compared to where we uh, we thought we were he was going to be. I know I was a little bit down on him compared to the consensus. I wasn't down on him this much. We can only hope that the volume will help kind of buoy him back up. But I'm not overly excited for this week, though, either. Maybe I'm the only one. What about you, Ian? No, I'm with you. It's it's tough to watch. And I think this is the quarterback. This this comes back to yeah. what happens at quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger was at least respectable. He's drawing some, you know, he, he wasn't playing well, right? But he was getting respect from defenses because he would take those deep mm-hmm. shots. It created a little bit of space for him, even if the offensive line, I think the talent overall is better this year. They're just not performing as well. And that goes back to Mitch Trubisky, just the limitations that he brings to an offense. The defense is not going to look at him and say, yeah, we have to keep it an extra safety or linebacker deeper, no. right? Like we can just attack the line of scrimmage, force Trubisky to do, you know, especially to roll to his left. He's not a big, you know, passer to his left. So you can play to the tendencies and the strengths really, really well. And there's more predictable predictability. And that's never a good thing, especially for a running back. Harris is kind of just the victim of circumstances. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy that he is going to be based on volume this year. I do think it's going to bounce back at some point. I don't know if it's going to be this week, but I'm with you. You can't really afford to sit him unless if you have great options sitting on your bench against really great matchups. 
And I mean, that you would have to have gone probably really running back heavy in your draft to be yeah. able to have another option. You could start over top of Najee Harris. Um, I could see getting bold and saying, hey, if you were able to pick up James Robinson off waivers or if you got him really right. late, I think that if could be... If you had like Chubb I can, and I can like make Robinson, sense of that one. maybe. Sure, yeah. sure. I can make sense of that one, but yeah, for right now, I mean, in, in most cases, you've got to start Najee Harris. You're just not playing him as your, your RB1. He just moved down to probably like your RB2 right now. It is what it is. I think a lot of it just the volume. I think volume is just yeah. a big factor right now, and especially just the checkdowns. Uh, Mitch Trubisky right now checking the ball down on only 8%. Last week it was higher at 15%. Um, but we're looking at a running back last year who was literally leading the league in opportunities and touches. That's not going to happen again this year. And, yeah, unfortunate situation. Hopefully things do kind of bounce back for him, and hopefully he can also get past this foot injury that has been bothering him since camp, and I can't help but wonder if maybe that's led into some of it too, but I think there's bigger problems on this offense than just um than just his his foot. And I think also look get into the passing game here. Um you've got some incredible options here. I think this is one of the more talented pass catching rooms in the NFL. Like you've got four yeah. legitimate weapons right here with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, and Pat Fryermuth. But only two of these for me are going to be startable this week. That's going to be Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth. For Deontay it's it's volume. He's seeing a, to me the Pittsburgh Steelers are the same damn team they were last year. It's just yeah. volume and inefficiency and low yep. A dot. That's what I'm seeing right now. Um, Deontay right now, uh, 100% route participation, which is is just massive. 30% target share in the opening two weeks. Um, we do like seeing this improved. Actually, 9.7 A dot, which is actually a little bit improved compared to what was last year. We're seeing a couple more shots from Mitch Trubisky, but he's just not coming down with all of them all that often. Uh, 36% air yard share, which is, I think, the really telling part of how they're kind of using him in a little bit of a different role. And then, look, when they got to move the chains, the ball's going to Deontay Johnson, 30% target rate um, on third and fourth downs. He's going to be my only option I'd be looking to start this week. Um, Claypool and Pickens, for me, I'm just not seeing enough out of those guys um, reliably. They're just kind of cutting into each other. I think the Pickens breakthrough game is on the horizon, though. Um we're seeing him play on 93% of the routes out there. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are running a ton of 11 personnel uh, formations. Now that's why we're seeing him out there in a ton of these wide, three wide receiver sets, but only a 9% target share. And that's not enough right now when Chase Claypool is literally almost doubling him at 17%. Um, but the A dot, he is at 21.5 uh, yards and as so far representing 24% of the A yards, up to 34% last week. So we're seeing an increase in opportunities. We're seeing an increase in the air yards, and eventually some of those are going to start connecting. I still love the long-term focus of George Pickens. He's not someone I would drop yet. He's still a stash for me, unless you have just really shallow benches, and you got to do what you got to do. I totally get it. Every league is going to be a little bit different. For me, I'm still holding on to George Pickens. I'm just not starting him this week. Same thing, replace, same thing for Chase Claypool, if I can get my words out. Ian, kind of give me your thoughts on the Steelers patch catchers. Like, it's a, it's not a bad matchup because honestly, Denzel Ward isn't doing that great, allowing a reception on eighty-four percent of his routes targeted. But for me, it's just the Pittsburgh Steelers just can't get the ball to these guys consistently enough outside of Deontay to really trust them in my lineup this week. Yeah, I mean, on paper, this should be a good opportunity for them. Miles Garrett yeah. has been banged up with a neck injury. Jadavian Clowney's already out. Greg Newsom is five foot ten. Uh, you would look at Chase Claypool and George Pickens as potential monstrous matchups. Uh, you know, you just upset all the short kings that are out there, right? That five foot ten. Listen, I, 
I love you guys, but tough matchup for you. You know, I'm up sorry, that, you're still I not reaching stuff on the top shelf, and you're still going to get mossed. Uh, yeah, five to six inches matters, especially in these matchups. So yeah, that's you know, what, that's what I've heard. Five to six inches matter, but I, you know, I I can't speak to it. I'm I'm six foot, so I you know I can't say a whole lot. But I'd get mossed out there too. So um, this is a tough matchup in terms of Cleveland's personnel, but Cleveland's personnel has played better outside of massive coverage breakdowns. So yeah. does a Robbie Anderson 75 yarder repeat itself? And does it go to Claypool this week? Is it uh, Corey Davis shaking loose for 66 yards again? Like he did like, you know, is that Pickens this week? I don't know. And that's what's yep. so hard to predict um, in a matter of talent and a matter of structure. Yes. The Browns should be able to control this unit. Are you willing to bet that one of these guys shakes loose for a big play? And who is it? Is it going to be maybe even Calvin Austin? Could it be someone that we just don't expect at all because the Browns miscommunication? Well, Calvin's banged up. Yeah, right. So, you know, who who is it, right? Like you're just trying to find like who's going to be that guy. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. worth betting on. I'm not really looking at Claypool as a playable guy this week. I'm with you, though. I like Pickens' long-term uh, match within this offense a little bit more. Claypool has only eight catches for 44 yards on the season. Like, He's just been struggling. He's not been finding his way with Mitch Trubisky. I don't think that they will, particularly. It's just not a great skill set yeah. matchup. Um, I say that, and then maybe he'll get a 60-yard bomb this week. But I mean, look, this is the Browns defense who just gave up 307 yards and four touchdowns to Joe Flacco last week. I, it's, and, and, an elite I mean? quarterback, as you said. Yeah, an elite, elite quarterback. quarterback but, yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's, 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 it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game to watch for for large stretches and to, unless if you know some busted coverages happen. And, that, and that's always a chance. And I think the good thing about that is like, that's why we have DFS to where we can take a few more risks with some of these players, like, and not do it in your, in your fantasy lineup. I think like I said, the only other player I just want to touch on real quick, uh, Pat Fryermuth, starter, weekly starter, top eight minimum tight end right now. Um, 21% target share last week out there on 70, running a route on 79% of the dropbacks, which you love seeing tight ends in that 80 plus threshold of running routes. So they're not just getting squeezed in line. They have Zach Gentry if they want to use some of those kind of things. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing too, hundred percent of the end zone targets, if they're in the red zone, they're looking towards Pat Fryman, who's kind of getting a little bit more upside. Uh, yeah, he is definitely a starter for me at a position, which has just been God awful trying to find uh, a streaming option. If you didn't go tight in early, but yeah, so to recap that one, Chubb, Hunt, Cooper from the Browns, Harris, Deontay Johnson, Pat Frymuth are starters. Everyone else, sorry, you're not going to make the cut this week. Uh, but I think we'll take a look at a couple uh, a couple DFS plays here. We kind of alluded to that one here in a second. Um, it's a couple undervalued plays. I know you've got Kareem Hunt listed on here. Nick Chubb, obviously the more expensive of the two. But Kareem Hunt at 7600 you got to like that based off the recent production we've seen out of him. Yeah, for me, he's going to be one of the guys that I try to fit into every lineup, right? Like, it's just too good of a value. He is effectively the third star for the Browns. I think that's the Mm -hmm. best way to look at it. Position-wise, it doesn't really matter. He's going to get your touches. He's going to get potentially up to 20 touches this game, which Mm -hmm. I, I... you just can't say no to because it, it is probably going to be a close game, which we'll get to. It's probably going to be fairly low scoring. So you, ha- you just have to take the guys who are going to get the touches. And for 76, it still gives you room to go take a Nick Chubb or a Najee Harris as you're, you know, if you're playing a captain, go ahead and play one of those guys and just pay up. You're going to be able to save later. And we've got a couple of those great options for you. But comparatively looking at the other backs, to me, this is too good to say no. Yeah. 
I'm with you. And he's he's almost like the de facto like wide receiver too at times in this office because we don't have anyone else. Yep. But like you've got him listed here, Donovan Peoples Jones at five point four. This is the chance to take that risk because we saw a massive target share and then a drop back off. And we know if someone's gonna be that vertical stretcher in this offense, Donovan Peoples Jones is probably the option to take here if you're hoping just you just need one of those to hit. So I think that's why you're probably looking at Donald Peoples-Jones here as an undervalued option, correct? For sure. And he's looked good. That Some of it is just like the eye test with him. He's caught six passes for 60 yards. Mm-hmm. He's They're going to have to start taking some deep shots occasionally. I think Schwartz is a guy who's going to be avoided more often than not because, yeah. especially from the team's perspective, he's had issues with drops. He's not super consistent. DPJ, They have not you know, been Schwartz, happy with him, and that's been publicly in the media too. For sure. I'm surprised he's still on the roster uh, as is, but... You know, and I get trying to develop him too. He's got the track speed, mm-hmm. but I think you see Schwartz on the field, you know what's going to happen. Whereas DPJ, you don't necessarily feel like it's going to be a deep shot when he's on the field. So I do think they'll get an opportunity, one or two, maybe this game, play action, deep drop, seven step drop back, and Brissett just rears back and just throws it downfield. I can totally justify playing him at 5.4. Yep. I can see that. Uh, I think the other one for me, just sticking with the Cleveland receivers, um, I put down Amari Cooper. Yes, he is 9K. Yes, he is the most expensive wide receiver. But quite frankly, he is actually the one that has been the most reliable. And if you're trying to make sure you are getting guaranteed return on whatever you have to spend on these guys, give me your DFS lineup. At least with Amari Cooper, I know I'm getting the wide receiver one. So if you're trying to do a stack there, which a lot of people want to do, and you're trying to do a a Cleveland Browns one, at least you know what you're getting with Amari Cooper. Um, Looking at the tight ends also, David Ojoko, I think, presents the most upside. He almost came down with that touchdown last week, but Harrison Bryant sitting here at 4.6. Third most targets on the Browns this season last week. Um, I'm sorry, also has a five catch of 63 yards. Was limited this week, but does seem to be on track to play on Thursday. It's He's looked good over the middle, kind of that find that soft spot in the zone, sit down, easy reception for set. And then he's got enough strength, as a lot of these tight ends do, to try to break a couple tackles against these guys. He'll have a little bit of a harder time against Mika Fitzpatrick, who will come up there and try to play aggressively against the tight ends. But that can also be exploited, too. And I think the Cleveland Browns probably know that they can do that. Um, I'm sitting here looking at this thing, moving over towards the Steelers a little bit. George Pickens at 4.8K. I know that was a guy that I kind of talked about. Was like For me, he's the second most talented wide receiver on the team. I still think he's more yeah. well-rounded than Chase Claypool. But you're a big fan of Pickens, at least for DFS in this week, right? I do. He would probably be my my roll of the dice, I guess, for this week. And some of that is because we talked about Claypool not really producing that well. And I think that could lead to a switch sooner than later. It's not going to be a major one. These guys are all playing a lot of snaps. Claypool's at 92% yeah. of snaps. Pickens at 78%. So a, a minor role change. But again, you look at the complexion of the Browns defense. Look at Grant Delpit, how he's been struggling in that secondary. He's been a bit of a weak point. Do you put Pickens into the slot and use him as like a big slot receiver? Give him a couple of jump ball opportunities. Look at him in the red zone to hopefully be a difference maker. I think that change is going to come sooner than later, barring a big Claypool performance. So so for 4.8, I think you're taking a nice kind of stab at someone that just logically it makes sense that he would start to get those valuable targets. Yeah, I think the big thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers is it's – you know there's the opportunities are going to be there. It's just how often are they going to come by? Just because the Pittsburgh Steelers look at time possession. They're 30th in time possession, 30th in plays per game, 28th in dropbacks per game, 27th in rushing attempts per, per play. But when they have the ball, they're using 11 personnel, the fourth most in the NFL. But they're also not using Mitch Trubisky to his 
his skill set only sitting here 29th in play action rate. Uh, when they're down by five or more, look, 75% passing rate. Over um, 71% when the lead's within within three points, which is just massively ahead of NFL averages based on like the 2021 season because we don't have enough this year. But trending-wise, Pittsburgh, when they got the ball, they want to throw it. But they've got to make sure they can hold on to that ball and keep it out of Nick Chubb and company's hands. Uh, but if you guys want to win a free $200 this NFL season, well, as a new DraftKings Sportsbook user, you can bet $5 and win 200 by betting on the NFL or college football this weekend. Head over to profootballnetwork.com and check out our latest betting promos to claim this offer. Looking at the betting lines for this week, Cleveland Browns come in at four and a half point favorites. The total, my God, this kind of gives you the uh, the feeling of the odds makers out there. 38 and a half points, which... I'm sure someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's the lowest total we have seen so far this season, uh, which does not bode well for a, a competitive or at least entertaining Thursday night game. But I know you've got a couple little couple trends and a couple things you're looking at here in this game. So give us your, your thoughts on uh, the betting angles for Thursday night football. Yeah, this is a tough one. It's a tough line. Again, you're getting the Browns off of a really big letdown game. They could either respond one of two ways. Either that defines their season and they're going to continue to struggle and let things snowball. They're going to point fingers at each other or they're going to bounce back and correct those issues and move forward as kind of a competitive team that just wants to get to four five, six wins until Deshaun Watson gets back. So looking at the trends, it says Steelers. Steelers are five and one against the last uh, against the spread in their last six against the Browns. They've hit the under in seven of their last games in Cleveland. So you mentioned though, this is a dangerously low total. I'm actually liking the Browns in this one though. Just checking out these two teams, I don't love the points. I, I wish you could have gotten Bryn, Browns at three and a half. If you could, great, good on you to be able to buy that extra point down. But things are going to keep moving. I think the Browns are going to keep seeing points going towards them until kickoff. I could see this getting to Browns minus five, Bryant, Browns minus five and a half. Uh, they're just the better team. I think that the getting them at home is also a nice perk too. It's a good, easier transition for the Browns. So I'm going to take the Browns minus four and a half. I lean towards the under, which is scary to say. It's a, Anytime that you see a number under 40, I'm a little bit hesitant, but I just struggle to see where those points are going to come. So my lean is going to be on the under there. I think what's what's curious to me is sometimes you'll see variance between the different odds makers. Everyone has this exactly the same. You're not finding any any edges by shopping around. It is all 38 and a half, four and a half. Like there's, there's no differences, which means... Everyone feels really confident in these lines, which is always a scary thing if you're trying to take your if you're trying to make bets on it, because that means you're uh, you're going against the vast uh, consensus on this. But we do think points will be scored on here. You've got a couple guys with some uh, with some touchdown props here that kind of interesting, including Pat Fryermuth is the first touchdown score. I like this one. You're getting some really good odds on here, too. Absolutely. And that's what we're hunting. We're hunting positive value. And so for Fryermuth, it's plus 1200 to get the first touchdown, 17 targets over his last two games. He's got his first touchdown in the bag last week. Like you mentioned, he's on the route. He's out in routes, almost 80% of his snaps, and he's playing 80 plus percent of the snaps of the Steelers total share as well. So he's going to have the opportunity uh, you look at the Browns defense. We just mentioned they're, they're struggling. They're struggling with communication. Their safety play hasn't been tremendous. That's an opportunity. Potentially you're looking for reliability in the red zone. 
that's what Mitch Trubisky's going to want to go to. He's going to want to go to his big muth in the red zone. Yep. I I love that one because the muth, I think the muth will get loose on on Thursday night. Uh, I think the other one here I do like to, you have this one listed as George Pickens anytime plus uh, 550. Like I said, we're already talking about him during the the DFS side of things here. So if expecting him to have a good one there, you might as well take a shot on him, throw a little bit of change on him uh, for uh, for just a straight up a touchdown prop too. I'm I'm a big fan of that one. But I want to tell you guys about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. And it's Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or, in some cases, least favorite player stats and pick whether they'll end up higher or lower than that number in this week's game. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. It is super simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and sign up with promo code PFN. And Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. But wait. There is more. If you deposit $10, you'll also get a free one-month subscription to PFN Pass, where you can reconnect with the game of football with interactive experiences, proprietary research, and educational courses on PFN Pass. And remember, that is Underdog Fantasy promo code PFN. You can get in on the action today. Speaking of Underdog, we have some of our favorite uh, favorite picks here for this one. <sighs> You're gonna see a lot of a couple lowers in here, a couple hires. I will say we are a couple we are optimistic on a few ones, but starting things off, Mitch Trubisky, they have him at uh 207.5 passing yards for his projection. You're looking at the lower on this one, as the trends do suggest here. Mitch Trubisky might struggle once again, correct? Yeah, I, I can't believe I'm playing the lower on this one because we're naturally it's so optimistic. low, but you can't help it. I, yeah, I mean, we talked about it, you know, off the air that we're yeah. both kind of optimistic when it comes to underdog. Like we both want to go higher, but my goodness, he's averaging Trubisky's averaging 181 yards per game, 5.1 yards per attempt. I mean, Alex Smith in his prime is shaking his head at how low <laughs> that yards per attempt is. I just don't know how. I mean, if you put Kellen Moore in a game right now, does he average more than 5.1 yards per attempt? I, I think he might. So I'm going to say just, yes. I, I, I'll I say yes, actually. Yeah, right. Like, how do you get that low? I mean, it's not even a Trubisky issue. It's a functional issue within the offense. I, it, I'm not even yeah. bagging on him. It's just been a tough start to the year for them. It doesn't get much easier this week. I just think it's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking. And do they break through with one or two big plays? Maybe. But, you know, the trends don't say that they will this week. So I'm going to go lower here. Uh, the thing they're not even used to using Trubisky to is actually like his skill set where you're trying to get him out of the pocket or try to use some of his mobility. Pittsburgh Steelers are at only 17% play action rate. Like that's, that's not going to cut it. Fake the, you got to use the run, use Trubisky or they're trying to suck down someone. You're, you're just trying to get one person to suck down and bite on the run. Cause you have all these other receiving options on this team. You got to get something going on. Cause quite frankly, you're already starting to hear the, uh, the Matt Canada chance out there. And it's, it's not going good over on social media. Uh, but one with a little bit of a, uh, a more optimistic approach this week is Najee Harris, 18.5 receiving yards. Looking at the higher on this one too, just because of how important he can be to this Pittsburgh Steelers offense and how much they need to get him involved. Only 72 rushing yards on 2.9 yards per carry thus far, but averaging 21.5 receiving yards per game 
when he needs to check the ball down. They've got to keep him as a focal point of this offense, get the ball in his hands as much as possible, because that also means getting the ball out of Mitch Trubisky's hands as much as possible at times. So it's kind of you're helping things out by uh, by eliminating that one. So Najee Harris, higher than 18.5 receiving yards. I do love that one a lot. And remember, you guys can pick and choose however many you want of these, whether you want it to be a, a 2x all the way up to a 20x, depending on how much uh, risk you feel like taking on with your underdog picks this week. So kind of get a little bit of a little bit of option, which one thing I love, they don't lock you into that one. Um, you've got Chase Claypool here on his receptions, but I don't think you're feeling too optimistic about this one now, are you? No, this is a tough line. He's averaged four catches a game through each game, so it's right on the money. They did a good job of doing that. But again, I talked about this earlier with Pickens. I think he starts to get phased out a little bit. So I'm going to go with the lower here. I mean, I think it's going to be a run-heavy game. Uh, checking down, you're not going to be looking at a lot of uh, possession-type opportunities for Claypool. I'm going to give the credit to the Browns' defense. I think they figure it out a little bit. So I'm going to go lower four receptions here. The one thing with Claypool is, you know, the type of route tree that he runs has never been the highest efficiency one. So to get four receptions, we're looking at, seven plus targets that's yep. quite a bit of volume so anytime you're looking at these reception projections you got to think of how many targets and opportunities it takes to get to that and the efficiency if it was Deontay Johnson here we'd be looking at a totally different story depending on how they would set his and what we think it would the volume it would take to get close to that number uh, another number we're looking at here is Jacoby Brissett and actually not his passing but his rushing yards on this one Looking at 11 and a half rushing yards, averaging, uh, he's got 53 yards through the first two games this year. If Pittsburgh's able to get a little bit of pressure on him, assuming they can without TJ Watt, who is out with the uh, the the pec injury, which luckily enough for them will not require season-ending surgery. Still got Alex Highsmith on this team to get a little bit of pressure, but if he gets out there and scrambles, all we're looking at is 11 and a half rushing yards on this one. That could be one to two scrambles, depending on how they want to play him. Do like the higher on Jacoby Brissett rushing another Cleveland Browns player. That now you've got Lizard here that you like the rushing is. It's the focal point of this offense, Nick Chubb. And you are very much in favor of what they've got him listed at this week. Absolutely. So 16 and a half rushing attempts. He's averaging almost 20 carries per game. We talked about how this game's going to kind of play out. This is going to be the Browns short week. We're just going to run it down your throats. It's going to be a physical game at home. Ride the guy who's just absolutely on fire right now is RB1 in fantasy. Steelers, you know, you mentioned EPA not ranking well, but they are giving up some yards per carry, so it makes sense. Just keep feeding the hoss here. I'm going to go higher 16 and a half rushing attempts as I think he starts to get 18, 20, 22, somewhere in that range of kind of like a throwback running back who's starting to get a lot of carries. But then he gets a week and a half off. So that's going to be helpful for him. It's easier for the Browns to kind of justify to be able to say, okay, you know, we got 10 days till the next game. Let's just go ahead and ride our star. I mean, even if the Browns had a long week coming to this and they were coming off a bye week, they were still going to feed the ball to Nick Chubb. I don't think yeah. that matters one bit. Like, we know what they want to do offensively on this one. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, they, they're they the worst on both sides. They can't run the ball and they can't stop it. The same going back to last year. You can't do both of those things. Chuck Knoll is rolling around looking what this Pittsburgh Steelers team is looking like right now. It's it's not great. But another play we did touch on earlier, and we were talking about the receiving angle of him, was uh, Kareem Hunt averaging 20 receiving yards 
per game. Underdog has him listed at 16.5 in favor of the higher on this one, too, just because of the way the trends are shaping out. They don't have a reliable number two. The tight ends can be a little bit hit and miss, and there is a stronger correlation between how targets and receiving yards impact tight ends and running backs than it is for, like, say, for example, running backs and like wide receivers, just because they're operating in the same area of the field and kind of get check downs on the same type of style play. So Kareem Hunt, higher than 16.5 receiving yards. And speaking of, we do have a Cleveland Browns tight end listed here with David Njoku. We were talking about Harrison Bryant earlier in DFS, which kind of gives me a little bit of an idea on how you're sitting here looking on David Njoku over here on Underdog. Absolutely. 39 yards a season. I mean, it's, it's just shocking for a guy who was given the contract that he was given. And it's not that he hasn't been featured. Like you said, he should have had a touchdown last week. Like there was a real opportunity that he gets it. It's not necessarily an Njoku problem, right? I think he's going to absolutely flourish when Watson gets back. But 39 you yards on the season. You didn't pay him all his money not to use him. Right. So like, but when's the breakout coming? You know, when is it going to be his time? I, I don't know. I've been asking that 30 question and for a half. years, bud. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I love the talent, loved him out of Miami. He just hasn't been that guy consistently. 30 and a half is his receiving yard total by underdog. I'm going lower here. I just think Harrison Bryant, he's very much tight end 1A and 1B. Mm-hmm. And until I see differently, I have to play the numbers there. So I'm going to go lower 30 and a half. Some of that's going to be Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, you kind of mentioned that he's going to be physical in the box. He's going to challenge these guys over the top. It just makes more sense for me to this team to filter their targets to Amari Cooper, filter their big plays to DPJ, give Kareem Hunt more opportunities. If Njoku's open, hey, obviously you're throwing the ball to him, but the trends don't say that that's going to happen. Yep. And I think this is kind of the offense we were expecting without Deshaun Watson. If they have Deshaun Watson on the field, we're expecting more 11 personnel, get some more play action there, kind of get him rolling out. But when they don't have him in there, we know Kevin Stefanski has zero issue running way more 12 personnel and getting two tight ends on the field. So someone's going to have to get the utilization. Right now, Harrison Bryant is kind of more that option with David Njoku really looking as that red zone kind of threat right now, which is odd because of how special he can be after the catch and how athletic he is. So we'll see. I I agree with you on the lower on this one. Um, Hopefully better days are ahead for David Njoku, someone who a lot of us were hoping could be a breakout, and quite frankly, I think fantasy needs another potential breakout tight end. But that will wrap up today's episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating and a review, whether it's on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast podcast at. It is always greatly appreciated by everyone here. Uh, continue to stay up to date with all the latest news around the league by heading over to profootballnetwork.com, where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. Don't forget to also get involved, like we talked about earlier, with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content like the Cleveland Browns documentary that was made by PFN Productions, weekly giveaways, weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, uh, including lineup, waiver advice, Sunday morning start sits, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll. Don't forget, too, it is never too early to get involved with the 2023 season. Yes, I said it, 2023. 
by using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at profootballnetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Ian over on Twitter at NFL Film Study and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Good luck on Thursday with all your bets. Good luck on Underdog uh, with your uh, with your pickums, and good luck on your fancy matchups. We will be back on Friday to dive into the full Week Three slate. So with that said, we will see you on for another episode of the show.